Hello and welcome to What the Heck, a show that looks at mysteries and the unexplained. This part usually comes after the opening music, but it's slightly different at the moment. After a busy period, I got very behind with the podcast. I don't want to end it prematurely like I did last year though. To catch up with the original schedule, I'm going to be recording some double feature episodes that include a main episode and a creature feature in them. Each episode will have a longer title so I can keep up with my episode numbers, and these shouldn't last too long. So enjoy the longer episodes for the time being. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to What the Heck, a show that looks at mysteries and the unexplained. Every week we look at something unexplained, telling a story or describing it, and then look at the theories surrounding it. I'm your host, Glenn, and I can't give you the answers to these unexplained things, because I don't know what they are. I'm just here to give you the information to decide for yourself. All research is done as academically as I can, and references are given at the end of the episode. This week's episode is an unexplained phenomena episode. We're looking at the Florence UFO. I can't seem to find much about the UFO at all outside of lists of UFO sightings and scattered news reports. I'll explain what I can though. On October 27th, 1954, 10,000 people flooded into the Stadio Artemio Franchi to watch a football game between Fiorentina and Pistiz. It was a typical autumn day in Tuscany, and nobody was prepared for anything other than the football when halftime came about. When play resumed, it was normal for only a few minutes before the stadium fell completely silent. The crowd roared, but they weren't paying attention to the match anymore. The players stopped to see people in the crowd pointing up to the sky, and the ball stopped rolling. Artico Magini, one of the players for Italy's team in that year's World Cup, was on the pitch that day. He said that he remembered everything. As everyone was looking up at the sky, there had been something that Magini says looked like an egg moving slowly. Nobody inside the stadium was looking anywhere else and the object was dropping something that looked like silver glitter as it floated past. This wasn't the only description though. Gigi Boney, a member of the crowd, recalls something different to Magini's story. Gigi said that there were multiple objects in the sky, moving quickly, then stopping completely. He said that they were shaped like Cuban cigars, and the whole display only lasted for a couple of minutes. But this wasn't completely true. Sources say that play stopped so that the crowd could watch the aerial performance for 15 minutes. The referee's report for the match said that play had been suspended because spectators saw something in the sky. The egg-shaped craft is the most likely version of this story, since there are reports of silvery, string-like substances covering the area. There had been a handful of sightings in the surrounding areas in the days before the game, 
but they weren't taken seriously. Onlookers would recount the events of the day as time went on, and Romulo Tuki, another one of the players that day, said that everyone had been talking about aliens and UFOs at the time. He said that they were lucky enough to see one in the flesh. It's important to note that nobody thinks that the day's events have been attributed to mass hysteria. There had been numerous reports of sightings in the days leading up to the event and at the same time of the event. According to some eyewitnesses, a ray of white light was seen coming from Prato, north of Florence. Roberto Panotti, president of Italy's National UFO Centre, loves to talk about this event. He says that the newspapers of the time said that the UFO was from Mars, which he refutes. He does believe that whatever happened, it was an intelligent, technical phenomenon that couldn't be linked with anything from Earth. He's also made it well known that he's intrigued by the material that fell. He says it's a substance called angel hair. As a child, Pinotti had seen angel hair and knew it wouldn't have lasted for long. He says it disintegrates after around an hour and it's often described as similar to cotton wool or spider webs disintegrating to the touch, which makes it difficult to really determine what it is. One person was determined to find out though, the journalist Giorgio Bettini. He told Italian TV programme Voyager in 2003 how he had received hundreds of phone calls on the day of the UFO. His office was in the centre of the city, but his view of the stadium was blocked by the cathedral, so he went to the roof of his office building to see what everyone had told him about. He recalled seeing shiny balls moving quickly towards the dome of the cathedral. He ventured out to investigate and found himself at some woods outside the city, which had been covered with the stuff. He rolled samples up on a matchstick and took them to the Institute of Chemical Analysis at the University of Florence, but found that when he arrived, he hadn't been the only one to take samples. The Institute took the samples to their lab, led by Giovanni Canary, which subjected the material to spectrographic analysis. They concluded that it contained the elements boron, silicon, calcium and magnesium, and that the substance wasn't radioactive. This process destroyed the samples and didn't offer any conclusive answers. That's all I can really find about the Florence UFO. Shall we look at the theories? Florence UFO stopped a football game for 15 minutes in the 1950s, leaving behind a substance called angel hair. What was it? Our first theory today is that it was, in fact, a UFO. There's next to no evidence to go on here, aside from 10,000 plus eyewitness reports and the lab results from the resulting angel hair, which was tested in a lab. As we already know, the tests yielded no conclusive results. So, this theory doesn't really end up going anywhere. However, through a little digging into angel hair and a nifty Wikipedia page, 
I've discovered some theories surrounding that, which could be fun. Now, anyone who's had to do any kind of research will know that Wikipedia isn't viewed as a very good source. But when we're looking at the surface of things, it helps to get information. And it's always a good starting point for deeper research if there are sources cited at the bottom of the page. Anyway, back to angel hair. There are a couple of places that angel hair appears. The first is when UFOs are sighted. The other place is when there's a manifestation of the Virgin Mary. It's said that when she ascended, her veil was torn and spread through the air. However, there are some more mundane explanations. Some believe that this substance comes from spiders. Some spiders are known to migrate through the air, and sometimes in large numbers, using gliders they make from their webs. Not only does this give an explanation for angel hair, but it could explain the egg-shaped craft in the sky over the stadium. And it gives an explanation for the angel hair. This typically happens in the Northern Hemisphere, Australia and New Zealand, but I can't get past the makeup of the angel hair in Florence. It doesn't seem like spider webs are made up of the things the lab found. Another lab got hold of samples in 1959, this time from Evora, Portugal. The scientists at the University of Lisbon analysed it under a microscope. They discovered that this specific instance of angel hair was likely produced by a small unknown insect or some kind of single-celled organism. One theory is that atmospheric electricity can polarise dust particles, causing them to join together in long filaments. In the case of a UFO, this seems pretty accurate. A large object floating in the air, possibly using some form of electricity, could very well polarise dust particles. A more unscientific explanation for this is that ionised particles may be falling off the electromagnetic fields surrounding a craft. Some other unscientific theories are that it's created by excess energy that is converted into matter or that the gravity field used by UFOs causes heavier atoms to react with themselves, causing a filament to drop to the ground, disappearing as the ionisation decreases. Still not much is known about the Florence UFO, nor the angel hair that it produced. The information from this episode came from These Football Times and the BBC. The theories from this episode came from the BBC and Wikipedia. References and links are posted on social media if you want to take a look. The link tree is available in the episode description, so you can go to your preferred social media or listen on your preferred platform. Patreon is still unchanged, with a £3 here if you want to support me, but I have nothing to put on there yet. Suggestions, personal stories and corrections can be sent through the email in the episode description too. Hello and welcome to What the Heck's Creature Feature, where we look at folklore and cryptids. Every week we look at the history of a creature before even describing it and looking at theories of what the creature might be. I'm your host, Glenn, and I can't give you the answers to these unexplained things, because I don't know what they are. 
I'm just here to give you the information to decide for yourself. All research is done as academically as I can and references are given at the end of the episode. This week's episode is a cryptid episode. We're looking at the Gert dog of Ennerdale. In the Lake District in Cumbria, England, the Valley of Ennerdale lies. Even today, it's known as a remote place. There's limited road access and only really allows a handful of hikers at a time, which is not usual for the area. 200 years before the Lake District was the national park that it is now, Ennerdale was only inhabited by sheep farmers and a few other people in a hamlet called Ennerdale Bridge. Today, we're travelling to 1810. During a six-month period, the small community was plagued by a creature that killed the sheep. It became known as the Gert Dog of Ennerdale, but other accounts just refer to it as a vampire dog. Over the course of six months, this creature killed between 300 and 400 sheep. Frequently, the victims would be found completely drained of blood, with the bulk of the meat untouched. Having said that, the soft organs, like the liver, were often consumed. It seemed that sometimes the creature was killing for sport. Even though the farmers stopped their normal duties and began to search for the beast, even patrolling at night, the creature got past them. Around eight sheep were killed a night, with many others being badly mauled but escaping with their lives. A £10 reward was offered, which equates to roughly £984 now. The person who captured or killed the creature would receive it. Hunters came to face the beast, but the dog evaded them at every turn, leading to the belief that it was a supernatural being. It took a long time before hunters even laid eyes on it, and they came back with a description that was considered strange. This drew in even more hunters, all of them looking to make a name for themselves. Over 100 hunters were scouring the valley on horses with hounds, but the beast continued to evade them. While this was happening, sheep continued to die every night. In a twist that put the hunters on the back foot, the creature displayed a huge amount of intelligence luring individual hounds away from the hunting packs before attacking and crippling them with deep bites to their legs. Eventually, the hunters managed to get savvy and a hunter named Will Rothery managed to get a clear shot at it. However, when the creature began to approach, he lost his nerve, dropped his musket and ran away at the cost of his reputation. But the beast's luck didn't last. Another hunter named John Steele chased the creature for a time before it was run into the ground and John killed it. The carcass was paraded around before being taken, stuffed and displayed in the Hutton Museum in Keswick. By the 1950s, a curator said it was getting moth-eaten and threw it out. But the story doesn't end here. In 2012, Martin Whitmill's dog, Charlie, was believed to be the Gert dog reincarnated. This conversation arose as he was canoeing with Charlie on Ennerdale water 
were the Anglers Hotel, the place where the original stories of the Gert Dog first appeared, used to stand. It was demolished to raise the water level of the lake, though. Martin assured people that if Charlie was the Gert Dog reincarnated, he definitely preferred crisps to sheep. And that's the story of the Gert Dog of Ennerdale. Let's talk about what it looks like. The Gert Dog of Ennerdale terrorised Ennerdale in the Lake District for six months before it was caught and killed. But what did it look like? Today we have a relatively short description. It only appeared for a short time, so the description didn't have much time to change. Eyewitness accounts have a huge influence here too. Over 100 hunters searching the countryside and seeing this creature allowed for a very specific description. Most people assumed the Gert dog was a dog, hence its name. However, when the hunters came to stop it, they saw something completely different. It was reported that the Gert dog was a large, sandy brown animal that had distinct black stripes. This covered reports of both cats and dogs. And that's it. The description of the Gert dog. What was it though? Ennerdale's spate of sheep deaths in 1810 were perpetrated by the Gert Dog, a large, striped creature. But what was it? There's no not-real theory this week. I think this is a first. It was definitely real, and once it died, the attack stopped. There was also evidence of it until the 1950s. However, there are other theories that surround the specific nature of this creature. The most widely believed theory this week is that the Gert dog was a thylacine. Also known as the Tasmanian tiger, these animals could be found on the island of Tasmania off the coast of Australia. The English settled the island in 1803 and specimens had been sent to Europe by 1808. However, we hit a roadblock right away. Thylacines were exotic animals, and a travelling circus wouldn't be able to travel to remote areas like Ennerdale without generating huge amounts of publicity and attention. It wouldn't make sense for one to go missing quietly. On top of that, the thylacine is a marsupial, and its pouch never appears in any descriptions. Marsupials don't live natively in England, so a prominent pouch would likely have been noticed. Another theory is that the Gert dog was a striped hyena. An African animal, it also fits the description of the Gert dog. Although it was well known since before the times of the Romans, it would still have been rarely seen in England in 1810. This again forces us into a difficult position because a hyena in the Lake District would have drummed up a lot of attention. Our final theory today is a rather simple one. This one is that it was just a dog. There are several breeds of dog that can be striped 
and can grow quite large. The most frequently used example of this is a crossbreed of a lurcher and a British mastiff. They often sport a brindle coat, which can easily give the impression of stripes if viewed from afar. Lurchers were very popular with poachers and farmers in Ennerdale at the time, so it does make sense. Without the body to see anymore, it's difficult to say what the Gert dog was. However, be careful at night in the Lake District. You never know what might be lurking in the dark. The history and description from this week's creature came from Dark Tales, Great British Life, and an article from The Guardian. The theories from this episode came from the previous articles and Hidden History. References and links are posted on social media if you want to take a look. The link tree is available in the episode description, so you can go to your preferred social media or listen on your preferred platform. Patreon is still unchanged with a £3 here if you want to support me, but I have nothing to put on there yet. Suggestions, personal stories and corrections can be sent through the email in the episode description too.